0: Hello everyone, my name is Hari and I'm a member of the Smart Cities Working Group of the IET Future Tech Panel. I welcome you all to yet another episode of the IET India Smart Cities podcast series. Today I have with me Dr. Jay Asundi, Executive Director of CSEP, Center for Study of Science, Technology and Policy to talk to us about climate resilient development in Indian Smart Cities. Dr. Jai Asundi has been involved in research and development projects in various areas. His initial work was in the field of emergency and disaster management. He mentored teams across areas spanning climate, energy and urban development. He spearheaded the establishment of AI for social impact as a sector of work and the creation of the Center for Air Pollution Studies or CAPS at CSTEP. Welcome to the IAT India Smart Cities podcast series, Jay. Uh,
1: Thank you Hari. Thank you for inviting me to this future tech panel.
0: Yeah, my first question to you as an expert um, on these kinds of things is how big a problem is climate change for
1: India? Well, Hari, I think uh, climate change is a problem for everyone across the board. Uh, We are seeing uh, massive scale heat waves across Europe, America, fires in America. Uh, Of course, those are reported far more than the climate issues that we see in India. Uh, India is going to have a huge problem for two big reasons. One is because uh, a large fraction of the world's population lives in India, uh, 1.4 billion plus and growing. And we also have a large amount of biodiversity also in India. And I think uh, it's not just the humans that we should care about. We should also care about our ecosystem and our biodiversity. And that's something that we need to preserve as much as possible uh, in India. And so hence, it is a very big problem uh, for india and we have to start thinking about ways in which we can uh, uh, tackle this issue uh, both from a mitigation as well as a adaptation perspective
0: got it jay so uh, you know when we're talking about these two big problems the population biodiversity and all the other linked problems um, you know what does climate resilient development actually mean uh, you know in terms of mitigation adaptation and uh, related concepts in our context?
1: So uh, there are two uh, uh, words in the in your question. One is on uh, Indian cities, and the second is on the issue of development. What do we mean by each of these? So one is, uh, let me start by saying that I don't think of cities just in the terms of the metros or the mega metros that we've been talking about for the past uh, maybe 60 years of uh, or 75 years of India's uh, independence. Uh, we need to think about aggregations or agglomerations of populations uh, beyond a particular size maybe just a hundred thousand need not be far greater than that uh, as being a city Uh, cities are essentially areas where uh, humans reside and then that brings us to the question of what is really development Uh, development we should think about it from a fairly uh, indo-centric perspective which is about providing a decent quality of life Uh, to all individuals in that particular uh, urban or what we would call aggregation of human settlement Uh, and so this brings me to the question about uh, what is it that what does it mean right so how do we provide that decent quality of life Uh, it has to be in terms of providing them with amount of energy so that they can uh, live a fruitful life water of course uh, and and shelter these are very basic things that you would want to give to all human beings But then over and above that, you also have to start thinking about uh, a decent livelihood, right? How do you get these people to uh, provide goods and services so so that that they can exchange with the outside world or within the ecosystem and provide the necessary, uh, you know, uh, satisfaction of life to, to all individuals. And so when you start thinking about climate resilient development, you have to start thinking about Okay, what is, what is going to happen in the next 30 to 50 years in each of these places? And each of these places are going to be different for different places. Be it the foothills of the Himalayas, or it could be the plains of uh, Gujarat, or it could even be the, the entire Deccan Peninsula, which is again very different. All different climatic zones, different uh, responses, uh, uh, rainfall in some places is going to be more, some places is going to be less. Some places you're going to have more heat, some places you're going to have more precipitation. So I think these are the big uh, issues that one will have to start thinking about when you're starting to think in terms of the urban or the what we call urban aggregations of people and thinking about how we're going to provide them uh, for that. Uh, So it could be from energy, so like I said, energy, uh, shelter, uh, food and water. I think these are the four big things uh, and then everything else is in the pursuit of that.
0: Yeah, thanks for sharing those great insights, Jay. So what I was taking away is that it's energy, water, shelter, livelihoods, but it's different in every place. And the time frame across which we should look at it is 30 to 50 years. And we should be broad in our definition of cities and not just you know millions of inhabitants, but urban agglomerations. So uh, if I was to ask you that uh, you know in this time frame going ahead, what kinds of platforms? tech and engineering will help us get uh, to climate resilient development in the in the indian smart cities especially going ahead
1: uh, excellent question and you've got it right i think uh, there is obviously the human ingenuity ingenuity is is an important aspect here and this is where our technology and engineering can play uh, an important role i will not say that it is the only answer but it is one of the ways in which it could enable certain sets of things For example, uh, the platform that we can think about for energy is one of the questions that always comes across is can we build decentralized energy systems uh, which can be managed better at the place of generation. So that is if I knew that generation is lower today, I will also consume less today and I will manage it much better because I have a much stronger pulse on the production of a particular entity so be it if, it if I know that this year water is less I will make sure that I will use less water uh, and we all do it in our own uh, minimalistic way but I think to be able to start doing it in, in large scale across various uh, places uh, will matter so a place that is having a flood to tell them to uh, you know uh, not use water in a particular way has no meaning compared to a place that's having a drought. So I think this is the kind of way in which we can start thinking of platform. So for example, at CSTEP we worked on building uh, a platform that will help assess the amount of rooftop photovoltaic potential for any urban ag- ag- aggregation. Now, uh, a Bombay would be very different from, a Bangalore would be very different from an Indore. Uh, all different types of cities, all growing and having a different growth path with different types of energy needs and i think the platform that we build is allow uh, the respective locations to decide how they would want to build either energy capacity or housing capacity or uh, you know water capacity for their needs and i think this is where technology can play a, a really good role in not only making sure that the decisions that are being taken are quantitative and and based on fact and uh, and reality rather than some notion of what is written in a textbook uh, which uh, you know is far fairly general but not specific enough for the environment or ecosystem i think same goes with issues of air quality i think we want a decent quality of life so we want decent air quality decent water quality so how do you measure these how do you provide these and how do you also make sure that uh, at the end of the day everyone has a decent quality of life?
0: Fantastic Jay, so uh, you know my key takeaways are that you know tech is going to be a huge enabler of climate resilient development but by no means the only one and the uh, kind of principle which you're highlighting is of decentralization and you know moving away from uh, you know one size fits all very general kind of approach to something where you know technology helps you match demand and supply locally whether it is you know decentralized energy systems or water or even measuring the quality of air so on and so forth so that we can have contextual uh you know relevant uh, approaches which are suitable for the development pathway of each specific uh, urban agglomeration that we were talking about so uh y- you know uh, thanks also for sharing examples of the kind of technology which uh, you know you've been involved in building, which are you know of concept and so hopefully scale to enable this kind of decentralized uh, contextually uh, relevant solutions what is your thought uh, you know on effective policy to support this technology or to enable this technology going right ahead
1: uh, so i think uh, as i mentioned you know technology is the enabler uh, society is going to be the consumer And I think understanding the interplay between technology and society starts playing a very important role. We need to really understand our societies. We need to understand our people. And at the same time, we'll also need to tune our people to be more accepting of technologies that are coming in. Uh, You know, in all technologies uh, creates winners and losers sometimes, but sometimes uh, the society gains as a whole. Uh, So you'll always have the situation where you have the, Uh, entrenched powers that would not want certain types of technologies to come in place. Sometimes they are successful, sometimes they are not. Uh, But I think to create effective policy, we'll have to also start thinking about it from the perspective that each location or environment is different. Uh, The kind of policy that you might have in a Gujarat, in a Rajasthan, will be very different from say something in Uttarakhand, which is at the foothills. Uh, Similarly, in the Deccan plateau, all of these are different given the fact that each of these places are going to have uh, different types of demands, different types of, uh, uh, of requests uh, from the people and what their aspirations are. Uh, so I think an effective policy agenda would be, would be something that would allow for these variations, but at the same time does not miss out on the most important elements of what it needs to be i think the fact that we need to reduce our carbon footprint the need for us to reduce our uh, global footprint i mean not just carbon but also in terms of the amount of land or resources that we take from the earth uh, uh, need to be reduced at at, at, to the extent possible such that it is sustainable i think if we consume more than we put back uh, clearly that's not a sustainable uh, system because our systems or the earth is finite and I think that is something that needs to be brought into, the, to, brought into place when we're thinking about the policy agenda. And I think the policy agenda has to take into account uh, these variations uh, and, of course, can keep evolving. I think if we think of it very statically, then we have a problem. So I think this notion of a distributed system with powers in a distributed manner that can manage each of them with certain, uh, I would say, you know, determinants that saying that you cannot exceed this or you cannot exceed that. These are the rules that, uh, and then I think that's where the creativity of uh, places will come up. I think uh, why do we see certain cities doing better on Swach, Bharat than others? It's simply because they have figured it out for themselves in their ecosystem. I think if you blindly try to adopt those practices in other places, it may not work. Uh, So I think these are things that one has to think about when we are thinking about an effective policy agenda
0: those are fantastic insights Jay. so you know so much uh, you know, so many takeaways there so just to play it back uh, you know policy just like technology i mean just like the uh, tech solutions has to be decentralized but at the same time you know it has to keep the boundaries let's say like the planetary boundaries or the resource boundaries uh which you need to meet Even at the global level, whether it's carbon or resource usage and so on and so forth, and uh, you think that uh, you feel that you know there may be some resistance when it comes to disruptive technologies which are going to change the way in which we do things. But at the end of the day, uh, there is going to be societal benefit from many of these approaches, uh, and, and you know this this whole thing of uh, you know tech as an enabler, uh, you know, and policy for that uh, being as uh, granular as required, but not uh, compromising on the, uh, the global agenda towards sustainability, which we can't negotiate with, uh, you know, in terms of carbon, in terms of resources, and so on. And so, on. so uh, thank you so much, Jay. Uh, you know, it's been a real pleasure to have you on
1: this podcast and share these uh,
0: deeply insightful thoughts with us.
1: Thank thank you, Hari. Thank you for having me. And it was a pleasure to speaking, speaking Thanks. to you.
0: Thank you. Thanks,
1: Jay. This this brings us
0: to the end of the podcast. I hope it was helpful for you, the listener, and we're looking forward to having many more informative podcasts. This IET India Smart Space Podcast series. Thanks.